0: And welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest voxcasting either side of the breach. On this episode, we join Nikima and Titania, Lilith and Zoraida and the Dreamer. Conflict is brewing, and even ancient evils must pick a side sometimes. I hope you enjoy part one of Waking Nightmare, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you by Big Joe's Aquarium Supplies. Big Joe has a very special message for all the banished out there, those hideous fish people who inhabit the oceans of Malifaux. Here it is. Oh. Waking Nightmare by Michael Wallace Nikima was not accustomed to humiliation. She was familiar with it, saw its value, and used it when it suited her, but she had rarely felt it inflicted upon her. To be debased, reduced to a lesser state, less vulnerable and exposed, it made her blood boil and her fingers twitched with a desire to draw Lorelei, the sword at her hip, and cut down every living soul witnessing her disgrace. Instead, she remained motionless, bearing indignity with as much stoicism as she could muster. Welcome, Nikima of the Nephilim. Rise and be recognized by the court of Artem. Nikima stood, feeling the mocking eyes of her audience all around her. She had visited the court only once before, centuries ago. Then the clearing was but a patch of parched earth surrounded by withered trees. Now the grass grew thick and lush under her feet. Dark green leaves blossomed on ancient trees, shading tangled underbrush. Birds and insects chittered, but kept a respectful distance from the court itself. This was a primal place, one of ancient power reborn. Behind the was the Letting Stone. A massive slab of granite covered with runes used for blood offerings and sacrifice. Before her, atop a short hill, was the Autumn Throne two massive golden weirdwood trees so heavily intertwined she could not tell where one ended and the other began. Around her were the ensembled subjects of the Court of Autumn, ancient Fae and Neverborn alike. Haughty nobles grinned at her, their empty eyes weeping tears of blood. Cowering under them were the Queen's more recent recruits, some of whom she recognized as Nephilim from the various tribes. Their bodies were branded and scarred with the fresh marks of loyalty sworn. The queen herself sat on her throne, wings spread delicately behind her. She had been a creature of ethereal beauty once, Nakima could tell. Time and the ravages of imprisonment within Nythera had not been kind. Titania's skin was pallid, her ancient garments faded and torn. Like the rest of her fae, she had no eyes, only twin pits of bloody ruin. "'Am I to dance next?' Nikima spat." A woman clad in nothing more than vines and leaves stepped out from behind the throne, her empty eye sockets somehow still staring Nakima down. Mind your tongue, Nephilim. The traditions of this court are older than your kind. Nekema smiled back at her. And look how well they served you. The woman's garments writhed with her anger. But before she could spit out a curse, Titania shifted in her throne and raised a hand, silencing her. Ashlyn gaped in shock. My queen. Titania fixed her empty gaze upon her servant, and Ashlyn shriveled back, retreating to the shadows behind the gold weirdwood trees. Forgive my Drew, Titania intoned. My subjects are more familiar with the customs of old. Perhaps we've grown too complacent in them. Please, walk with me. She motioned to her court. Leave us. The court hesitated then withdrew into the surrounding woodlands. Nekima felt their eyes upon her, but she offered only a satisfied smile. Such decisiveness pleases you, Titania observed. This is more the Nephilim way, Nekima agreed. Titania smiled. I admit I am not familiar with your ways, but there is a refreshing directness to your customs. The two walked side by side, Circling the letting stone, and then left the court through the open path in the forest. Nakima was not a fool. She knew the court lingered in the shadows, watching for any sign of deception on her part. It was the smart thing to do, but Nakima found the dishonesty tiring. What brings you to my domain? Titania asked, absently plucking a flower from a tree branch as she passed. Nakima's eyes stayed on the forest. When you sought me out, I offered you a pact. Aid me in reclaiming my throne from my sister, and my Nephilim would stand with you. That time is now, Titania. Even now she is on the move, seeking allies from our old foes. My sister is clever, and may even succeed. If she does, she will have no patience for her rivals. That includes me, and you. Titania considered the flower in her hands. This is happening sooner than I had anticipated. Sooner, I admit, than I was prepared for. Nakima held back her anger and bit her tongue. Do not try to renege on our deal now. Nakima, you are a proud warrior. I respect this, but there must always be a time for patience. To the pits with patience, Nakima snapped. My sister is preparing to march now. If we fail to act, we ensure our own defeat. She stepped in to loom over the shorter woman, though Titania did not appear intimidated. Lilith will never offer you the partnership I have. Without me, the Nephilim will never stand at your side, and you will face the changing times and the returning tyrants alone. The Autumn Queen stared back at her with her unreadable empty eye sockets. Nikima noticed Titania was crushing the flower in her fingers, smearing the resulting paste until red stained her hands. You have a point, Titania admitted. Then aid me. Now is the time to strike. Titania turned away, staring at the open forest. She was silent for a moment, contemplative. Finally, she turned to face Nikima. If I aid you... It must be our secret. Our enemies cannot know. If they witness our alliance, it will entice them to ally in kind. Do you understand? I do, Nikima responded, her voice softening to mask it from the eavesdroppers. The Queen stepped forward. Despite the difference in height, Titania seemed to stare down her nose at Nikima. Then you have my aid. Return to your people. When I am prepared, I will contact you through the ritual I showed you when we first met. Nakima's wings flexed. Finally. Without another word, Nakima hurtled herself into the sky, soaring northward. Titania watched her leave as Ashlyn slithered out of the trees like a shadow. Prepare my boon, Titania said, quickly. Will you suffer that one's insolence, my queen? Ashlyn asked, somewhat brazenly. Titania glared at her, because it profits me to do so for now. Besides, she glanced northward, following Nakima's path, and her tone lightened. She and I are kin of sort. We both know what it means to have our birthright taken from us. Without another word, Titania returned to her court, with Ashlyn falling into step behind her. With their departure, the sounds of the forest returned and a single crow took wing from the branches above, heading for the coast. The sun was setting against the horizon, casting an orange glow over the sea. The open beach stretched the miles that were steadily being eaten up by lazy waves. Sitting cross-legged on the stand, Lilith realized that no human had ever witnessed this place, nor tread upon it. It was pure, untainted. There was a sadness in that thought, in the knowledge that such places were increasingly rare. She shook her head. It was unusual for her to feel so sentimental. Perhaps she was looking for a distraction, or perhaps it was the shadow of the lighthouse stretching across the sand, almost as if it were reaching out to her. She had chosen this site because the structure, a monument of old Malifaux, was the only tangible landmark her guests might be able to recognize, and she was intimately familiar with the place. She shivered despite herself, refusing to think of what had transpired there centuries ago. Focus, her mind admonished her. Sitting before her were a dozen pits in the sand that she had dug and filled with ocean water. It was an offering of comfort to the creatures that now waded in those pools. Looking like a blend between fish and a frog, The creatures she knew only as the banished stared back at her, their bulbous eyes unblinking and unreadable. Finally, the largest of the group, one who was encrusted with lumps of barnacles, turned from its companions and rose from the water to stand hip-deep. It gargled, barely capable of forming words. We have considered. Lilith took a breath. It only took you an hour. We will not join you. Lilith had anticipated as much, but she wasn't finished quite yet. Why not? The barnacle-covered thing dipped its gills into the water, then stood upright again. Nephilim are not trusted. Nephilim, hunt us. Kill us. Eat us. You are Nephilim. You are enemy. That time is behind us now, Lilith said. Things have changed. The tyrants are rising, and Titania has returned. If we do not stand united, then we will be struck down. We cannot about tyrants. We cannot about Titania. You should, Lilith's voice deepened as she rose to her feet. Do you think she will destroy us and ignore you? Do you think you suffered under Meridian? If Titania regains her strength, nowhere will be safe. It gurgled. We do not care about Malafo. We have other. It cut itself off and sunk back into its hole. Other what? Lilith asked. The banners shuddered in their pools. Speaking in this submerged tongue, the barnacled one rose from the water again, and this time his fellows from the other pools joined him. Lilith took a step back, one hand reaching for the great sword on her back. No more talk! It bubbled out. You are nephilim. You are enemy. The banished attacked as one, a horde of slimy bodies and membranous claws, hissing a curse. Lothar drew her sword with practiced ease and felt a rush of joy despite herself. Have it your way. She hurled herself into their midst with reckless abandon, hacking away at fins and cartilage. Teeth snapped and claws slashed, but she danced through their clumsy attacks, disappearing from sight only to appear a short distance away, claiming limbs and heads. Bodies fell to the sand, pumping brackish blood from fatal wounds. The stink of it was awful. But Lilith's bloodthirst was too great to care. Days of planning. Days wasted catering to these beasts' primitive and petulant needs. All in the vain hope of earning an ally she despised. She felt more than justified in taking out her frustrations on their slippery hides. But there were more bodies than she originally expected. Sparing a glance, she spotted reinforcements rising from the waves to join their kin. They had planned to attack from the beginning. "'Treacherous bastards,' she snarled. "'She was soon surrounded, "'and for all the dead at her feet, "'the Banished seemed unshaken by the demise of their fellows. "'They rushed her, "'piling in to clutch at her limbs and weigh her down. "'Suddenly a heavy weight buckled into her from behind, "'and she felt the cutting barbs of the barnacled leader pressing into her, "'its living garments cutting into her back. "'Now, vengeance!' the thing sputtered out. She felt something ice-cold punch into her flesh, just below her ribcage. Immediately, she heard a cry of pain as the creature stumbled backwards, its flesh burning from her corrosive black blood. With unbridled rage, Lila summoned her power. Thorny vines erupted from the sands, tangling the fishmen as easily as barbed nets. The more they struggled to free themselves, the more their soft flesh was torn apart by the sharp thorns. The barnacle-encrusted creature was ensnared, pulled away from Lilith and pinned to the earth. She rose to her feet, pausing only to yank the coral blade from her back and toss it aside. You can rot in the seas. She swung her blade, cutting the ensnared barnacle creature's head free at the neck. It rolled across the sand, its jaw still working like a decapitated fish. The death of their leader robbed the rest of their resolve. The gathered banished fled, dove into the waves and vanished with the tide. Lilith watched them slink into the depths, then brought her blade down on a wounded fishman that could not join its kin. With the beach clear of enemies, Lilith took a moment to catch her breath. One hand touched the wound in her back, which was somehow both numb and throbbing. She adjusted her corset, tightening it around her midsection to stem the flow of her black blood. As she did, a crow descended from the skies above to rest on her sword, cawing angrily at her. You're early to the feast, she muttered. The crow cawed again, then hopped down to the sand. The creature's tiny body warped and swelled, its feathers stretching into hair or sinking into wrinkled flesh leaving a hunched old woman with a snaggletooth frown in its place. What have you done? Zoraida asked, rising to her feet. Lilith gave her an annoyed look. Nothing they didn't try first. Zoraida shook her head. Damn fool girl. We needed their aid. Do you not realize the importance of this? "'If you thought it so important, then you should have come here your own damn self!' Lilith shouted. Zoraida cursed under her breath and knelt to pluck up her disembodied arm. Squeezing its blood into the sand, she began to read its signs and portents. "'I bring bad news to compound your own failing,' she said as she cast her auguries. "Nakima is on the move!' Lilith sighed as she watched Zoraida read her omens. She was tired, and the wound in her back made it uncomfortable to stand up straight. I'm amazed it took her this long. Zoraida ignored her. Nakima learned of our efforts to recruit the Banished, so she is playing her own hand. She has thrown her lot in with Titania. She watched as the blood began to congeal the position and speed giving her a glimpse at the threads of fate stretching out from the beast's murder. The signs are... She paused as two clots sunk down into the goopy mess, turning an unfavorable future into an auspicious one. A grin tugged at her lips. I have no intention of letting you fall to them. If we are clever... We can turn their haste against them both. Zoraida's hut sat amidst the muddy foliage of the bayou's eastern reaches. Starlight failed to pierce the canopy above, leaving the hut in comfortable darkness, broken only by the occasional firefly. Nikima will likely march from the northwest, Lilith said. She ran her finger over a map of the knotwoods, etched into skin flayed from a human's back. She made a mental note of the path that joined her domain with that of Nakima's. The river season has made the sudden paths inefficient. There leaves two routes that would allow her forces to pass unmolested by my own, or that of the humans. Behind her, Saraita cracked a stalk of a plant root and chucked it into her cauldron, sniffing the contents with a slight frown. The sudden stretches have become home to small but violent bands of humans that attack Neverborn and their own kind in equal measure. Nakima will not want to risk the complication. She will likely take the northernmost route. That will still take her some days, even if she's marching now, Lilith said. She winced, working her back to adjust the corset. Blood oozed from underneath it, and she dabbed it with her coat. Most of her forces are young and cannot yet take flight. Plenty of time, rider assured her. Come, my dear, eat. She spooned stew into a wooden bowl and set it on the table. Lilith stared at the bowl, the shifting ingredients bubbling and stinking like death. I am not hungry. It may not be blood, but it will speed the healing of your wound rider smiled. Fear not. We are in this together, you and I, just as always. Pandora should be arriving any moment, and the three of... There was a knock at the door. With a chirp of approval, rider shuffled over to answer it. Come in, my dear, come... She swung open the door. A twelve-year-old boy in lopsided coveralls, with a cricket bat resting on one shoulder, stood before her. In. The boy chewed on a piece of bright pink bubble gum, blew a bubble, and let it pop. Chompy said "You two were planning to batty-fang that dizzy-age queen. We're gonna help. Sir Ryder gaped at him. Then she leaned out of the hut and peered past the boy. Pandora was nowhere to be seen. This can't be right, Zerida said, her eyes dropping back down to the boy. No, no, I saw it. How could I have misread the signs? She should be right here. I'm right here, the boy said, stamping his foot. When Zerida didn't answer him, he made a face and pushed past her into the hut. Crazy old Nutter. Lilith scowled as the boy strode into the shack. What is he doing here? The dreamer swung his bat in a lazy circle, barely missing Lilith's stew ball. You want to take on Titania? Me and Chompy want to help. Help? Lilith scoffed. We have no use for freaks like you. You're as likely to swap sides mid-fight as to actually help out. rider shut the door and crept back to the two of them. She snatched a small puppet off a nearby shelf a wiggling little thing sewn into an approximation of a sleeping gown and hat. Why do you look different? What sort of game are you playing this time? Dreamer blew another bubble and let it pop. Ain't no game. This is how I look. He lifted the cricket bat from his shoulder and took a swing at the air. I'm all grown up and ready to help splatter Titania across Malifaux. Vermin, Lilith growled. "'Someone ought to put you in your place once and for all.' "'Yeah?' "'The dreamer puffed himself up, "'and Zoraida and Lilith both had the sudden impression "'that there was something else in the shack with them. "'There was a sense of thick arms, rows of teeth, "'of nightmares made manifest. "'But neither of them could actually see the beast.' "'Zoraida glanced down, "'and she felt something tugging at the hem of her dress. "'It was a fat purplish sack,' that approximated a misshapen monster, all biting teeth and scratching claws. It had four arms raised upwards towards the other puppet in her arms, and she quickly snatched it up in her free hand. She cast a warning glance toward Lilith, who had already shifted into a position that would let her more easily draw her sword from her back. "'Why would you want to fight Titania, boy?' Is the rider asked. "'Chobby says that she's mean and stupid.' "'Dreamer said with a shrug. "'She's too strict, right? "'Trying to make you two follow her rules "'and boss you around, right?' "'Lilith cast an uneasy glance "'to the space above Dreamer's head. "'We can manage fine without... "'Zorida held a puppet-filled hand out toward Lilith, "'motioning for her to be silent. "'For whatever reason, "'fate has delivered this one to us in Prandora's stead. "'I must have misread the signs.' There was doubt in her voice, but she hid it well enough. In any event, we will need the boy's assistance if we are to defeat Titania. Lilith growled. But he's... Are you denying that Nightmare would make for a powerful ally against your sister? Zoraida held up the monstrous puppet, which was scratching at her hands with feverish glee. Lilith was silent for a long moment. The dreamer popped another bubble. Fine, she admitted. But you're under my command. If you run off or try and betray us, I'll make sure you regret it, even if it's the last thing I do. Zoraida reached out and smacked the dreamer on the back of the head, drawing a surprised yelp from the boy. Mind your elders, she chastised him. Lilith snorted with amusement and used her foot to push a chair out from the table. Sit down and we'll go over the plan. Mm. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for the conclusion of Waking Nightmare.